This week on the Tech on Tap podcast, Mike Peppers drops by to talk to us about NVMe over TCP and ONTAP 9.10.1. Welcome to the Tech on Tap podcast with Justin Parisi. I love NetApp. Oh, yeah. NetApp. I love this company. Zipor. Zipor. I love NetApp because it's so funny. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Tech on Tap podcast. My name is Justin Parisi. I'm here in the basement of my house and with me today I brought Mike Peppers along to talk about SAN, but specifically NVMe and specifically more than that, NVMe over TCP. So uh, Mike, what do you do here at NetApp? How do we reach you? Hi, Justin. Uh, my name is Michael Peppers. I'm a senior technical marketing engineer. Uh, you can reach me at mpeppers at netapp.com. Uh, my Twitter handle is guy. All right, cool. I so, do here is I cover blocks for so, on top. Well, I cover blocks. Cover blocks. Blocks. You know, as what, what are blocks? SAN. <laughs> so basically, SAN protocols, and so that would be FC, iSCSI, uh, FCOE, uh, NVMe, uh, various different flavors. All right. So, so on that same vein, uh, you know, this this is about NVMe over TCP, but you know, before we get there. I'd like to talk about NVMe uh, as a protocol, not as a disk medium, right? So, what does sure. what does NVMe as a protocol offer that is better than you know a standard SCSI protocol? So, NVMe was a rewrite of the uh, command set uh, that SCSI uses. So, SCSI has been backward compatible to the very beginning. Uh, so, it's a, a approximately backward compatible forty years, and it has definitely served its purpose. However, when once we got uh, persistent media uh, and flash media, what we found is, is is that you're actually starting to see that some of the bottleneck in performance was actually in the command set itself. NVMe was a response to that. It was a rewrite of the command set. And so NVMe is the protocol. And then you have various NVMe OF uh, transports, which is an enhancement to NVMe that basically talks about how do you encapsulate NVMe inside of a wide variety of networking uh, transports like NVMe FC, which is encapsulating NVMe in fiber channel or NVMe uh, TCP, same thing, except for inside of a TCP datagram. NVMe IB encapsulated inside of InfiniBand. Uh, Rocky is encapsulated inside of RDMA, which is then uh, transported over converged Ethernet. And there's a variety of others. But each of these is basically a transport specification that then transports the NVMe protocol. So as far as NVMe goes, I mean, it's just basically a more streamlined way of transmitting this data. And it, I guess it adds some efficiency to the conversation when we're dealing with the SAN in block protocols, right? Yes, it is very much more efficient uh, because of a number of things. Number one, you're streamlining the command set. So instead of approximately uh, 140 or so current uh, uh, disk or storage uh, level commands uh, where you would be using disk, uh, NVMe has 13, three of which are direct I.O. compared to 40 or so. Uh, that are SCSI. So you have a reduced uh, instruction set. Sound familiar if you're a Unix guy? Uh, in addition, you have uh, the fact that you remove all software locking. 
anytime you lock blocks and say that you can't touch this until I remove that lock, you are inducing latency. Uh, you remove context switching. Every time you switch context from doing this to I now have to basically put this on pause, focus on something else, do that for a little while, focus back, you're basically adding friction, which in turn adds latency as well. And then biggest by far is, is, is it increases the number of cues and the depth of those cues. Uh, NVMe has a queue depth of 65,535 uh, deep, and then there are 65,535 queues. This matters because for the last better part of 20 years, processors haven't gotten faster. What they've gotten is more and more cores. Well, each one of those cores can be used to basically uh, uh, provide compute for a particular queue. So the more queues that I can do in parallel because the more cores I have, the more work I can do simultaneously. So that if you add all of that up, you see some tremendous uh, increases in performance because of the much better efficiency of the NVMe protocol. Um, we've written a number of NetApp verified architectures talking about uh, popular applications and then comparing FC versus NVMe uh, FC on those particular uh, applications. We've written one for Oracle, MongoDB, SAP HANA, uh, ESX, et cetera. Uh, to give one example, the ESX, we saw that simply moving from uh, FC to NVMe FC, we saw a 250%, 250% increase in throughput along with a 30% reduction in latency. So you're getting that simply because you chose a more efficient protocol. Nothing else changed. So I'm not a numbers guy, but that sounds pretty good. Yeah, I'd say not bad. And basically a whole lot of free. And, and here's the key thing, you know, okay, so it's much faster, but it's fast enough as far as I'm concerned. Is that, you know, it, a lot of people will say that. And maybe they're right. But if I increase throughput and reduce latency, what I've really done is just increase the performance capacity of a given, let's say it's an A800. So now that means I can do more with that single A800. Not only is that more faster, but I can actually do more. I can add an additional workload to it. That means that my storage investments are actually more efficient. My TCO is lower. That is the real benefit of that performance increase. It's not simply, hey, it's faster. So, you know, you've, you touched on NVMe over fiber channel, and that's traditionally where ONTAP has been playing because that's, mm -hmm. that was the initial right. you know support. Um, that said, I mean, you know, fiber channel networks require a lot of hardware. They require cards. They require switches. Mm -hmm. However, you know, not everyone has that stuff. So when you are dealing with something like NVMe, and it sounds great, but you don't have the infrastructure in place, you start to get a little bit of FOMO. <laughs> Right. Uh, no, absolutely. And so that is why uh, we're working on and have uh, <clears throat> uh, soft announced that we are also going to be adding NVMe TCP. Uh, the beauty of TCP is, is, is that with NVMe FC, if you want the absolute fastest, most performant, consistently high performance in your data center, NVMe TCP or NVMe FC is your choice. On the other hand, if you're interested in uh, the most flexibility and uh, the most portability possible, simply nothing is going to beat uh, TCP IP. 
There's nobody on the planet that does not have uh, access to an Ethernet network. There is no place that you, you know, anywhere where there are computers, there is Ethernet and TCP IP. And so any of those places, you could use NVMe TCP. And so that's why it is that we uh, decided that we wanted to focus on that one next, because you don't need any particular hardware. You can use uh, any Ethernet switch. You can use any Ethernet NIC. Uh, you could use a 10 meg switch and a 10 meg. You wouldn't be very happy with it in the same way that your brand new Ferrari, you could take it off-roading if you wanted to, but you would probably trash it and you would not be able to go very fast. But with better networking equipment, you can go pretty fast. If you use 100 gig uh, uh, switches and NICs, you will you will have a very performant network and one that is flexible. It can go anywhere, including into uh, private clouds. And it, it, it seems fairly logical as a guess that because of the fact that you don't have any particular hardware requirements, it seems like a no brainer that this would be something that is likely to get added to uh, public hyperscalers in the same way that uh, iSCSI is in some cases. Uh, the thing is, this is NVMe TCP uses NVMe. So you have the inherent efficiencies of NVMe uh, over uh, the less efficient SCSI that iSCSI uses. And so it seems like an obvious replacement for iSCSI there. And ultimately, we expect that NVMe FC is going to replace FC on, in, in data centers where uh, customers have uh, FC fabrics. And uh, NVMe TCP is likely to do the same, replace iSCSI where there is iSCSI out there. Yeah, and I mean, that's really where the natural progression goes here when you deal with something that's just a software upgrade, right? So with, with cloud, you're not really going to have control over your hardware components, so you're just going to do everything as a service. So having something that can just be used as a software upgrade is going to be vital in being able to adopt it. So, you know, especially when you're dealing with, with Ethernet networks, which is what the cloud offers today, there's not really this concept necessarily of, an, of a fiber channel cloud unless you start to do get into like the private cloud stuff. So, I mean, when you're dealing with the hyperscalers, the large AWSs, the, the Azures, you're dealing with network, you're dealing with Ethernet. Mm -hmm. So having a protocol that can leverage that in the most effective way is going to get the most out of those applications that you want to run in the cloud. Well, that and then there's one other facet to it uh, that absolutely speaks to why it is that you're likely to see adoption there. And that is, is, is that not easy to virtualize uh, FC. You can virtualize everything up to the fact that you need to either simulate or have an actual physical switch, uh, which kind of defeats the entire purpose of virtualization. On the other hand, uh, TCP, you can virtualize it all day long. And so if you're virtualizing and containerizing and so on, this is an obvious play. Yeah, it's, it's interesting also because you know normally NetApp doesn't pre-announce things, right? <laughs> like we keep it very close to the vest, even if the secret's out and you know it's kind of like an open secret, we don't sit there and, and create blog posts and, and other things. So I, I feel like this is one of those things where it was big enough and important enough where NetApp was like, you know, this is advantageous to go ahead and start talking about it now and get the hype going before the whole insight machine gets rolling. Absolutely. So the thing is, is, is that what we had noticed is that while we have been, if you look at us strictly in terms of what we have released and what we have done uh, in the NVMe space, 
you would expect that people would identify us as the leader or the innovator in that space. And yet we are finding that we frequently were not. And that was because we tend to be very conservative about announcing things. And so we decided this time that, hey, we're actually bringing something revolutionary to the table. And we want to show you that if you're interested in NVMe, you really need to be thinking about ONTAP because that is the portfolio where you're going to see the most innovation. Furthermore, if you were to look at NVMe specs, you'll see that we are very active in the uh, NVM Express and actually offering those specs in uh, donating uh, algorithms and uh, software uh, to NVM Express as well. And yet other uh, vendors who are not active in this space are taking credit for stuff that we donated. Uh, if you want to do multipathing with NVMe and you want to do it uh, in a protocol compliant way, you're going to be using ANA or asymmetric namespace access. That was written and donated by NetApp to NVM Express. Without that, you don't have multipathing. And I would argue that without multipathing, you have single points of failure galore, which means that you really do not have an enterprise solution. Yeah, it's interesting that other companies have like pretended that they were innovators by stealing <laughs> open source stuff, right? I mean, and, you know, being a contributor to these types of technologies is great. But there is that downside of it where anyone can use it. And it's, it's even worse when they start to claim it as their own. Well, you know, you, you, you kind of want to have some credit there. But on the other hand, I would argue that if we're defining what the standard is and driving to where we expect it to go or where we want it to go, uh, that gives you a lot of control over what 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 the future is going to look like. I'll, I'll give you a, an example. So with uh, NVMe, uh, whether it, TCP in particular, uh, are you interested in, you know, uh, on the wire encryption? How do you want to define that encryption? What encryption standards do you want to use? If you're driving that, then you get to be part of that solution. You get to propose that solution and you get to drive that. And so there are some benefits to that. However, it is very much sort of a, a covert benefit. It is not something that people necessarily realize unless they're following it really closely. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, you know, you can be the contributor, you can be the driver of the technology, but if no one knows, if it's all done in the dark, then it doesn't buy you anything. And then other people can claim that they were there first and then it, you know, mm -hmm. it just snowballs from there. So, so doing things like pre-releasing blogs and, and, you know, pre-announcing features before they're actually officially announced is beneficial. It, it tells people that, Hey, we are the cutting edge. We're the leading of, you know, we're leading the charge here. So this is why you should trust us. Well, that and also this is coming. So if you're in the process of making architectural decisions, understand that you have this whole other portfolio that you now are aware of with some sort of notion as to when it is you might be able to adopt it. Yeah, so, I mean, that's beneficial, but I mean, it's like, I mean, you're only given a few months notification, right? <laughs> it's not that much uh, time to do architectural decisions, but yeah, I get what you're saying. Well, you know, a few months you can lock into the wrong one quite easily. Yeah, yeah, you could. But I mean, these these architectural decisions generally take a lot longer than that. I think there's there's a longer runway. So and and usually, usually when you're having these these conversations, you're doing it in coordination with your vendor. So you might already have an NDA idea of what's coming anyway. Uh, that 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 that's true. I, you, I'm saying that this is kind of it is a peripheral. It is not a. It, that's not the front and center reason. I'm just saying it is another thing. Is this is. This, 
being aware with a little bit more lead time that this is coming. And so when you're deciding how to architect this, understand that you should be looking at this as well, because a, a choice you did not know you had, you have. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, so in the previous release of 9.9.1, we had some iSCSI single LUN improvements, right? So do, do, do those compare in any way to the improvements you get out of MVME over TCP? Because that, that kind of becomes this decider here of, you know, how beneficial is it to move from iSCSI to TCP? Or I'm sorry, for, move from iSCSI to MVME over TCP? So the single LUN performance improvements um, were SCSI, not not necessarily iSCSI, but SCSI generally. So that would be iSCSI or fiber channel. And where they came into play is, is, is when you are consuming a single or very, very small number of you know, two or three LUNs, uh, in which case we were basically able to uh, change our algorithm, you know, tweak it a little bit so that we could bring more cores to bear for certain portions of processing. Um, as a result of that, on the top end, uh, you were able to see improvements in performance, sometimes as much as 400%. And so that's a great number. Uh, what we're anticipating for the, the vast majority of our customers, though, is, is, is that you buy an A800, you're not using two or three or four LUNs, you're probably using thousands of them, in which case, single LUN performance is a moot point because it's not a single LUN. It's several hundred or several thousand. Uh, NPME has an entirely different, uh, uh, basically processing uh, uh, thread, if you will. And so it's not necessarily, you're going to get better performance from NPME because of the overall efficiencies of the protocol. Um, so I know that it's necessarily an apples to apples. Uh, if you had one LUN versus one namespace, Namespace spaces still probably be more performant in, in lots of circumstances, but that is a relatively corner condition as compared with thousands of LUNs versus, say, thousands of namespaces, in which case the namespaces are absolutely going to be more performant. More performant and more efficient is going to drive that discussion further in terms of, you know, taking over as the primary protocol instead of iSCSI. But the other part of that discussion has to do with client support. So what clients currently today support NVMe as a, as a protocol and which ones don't? So for NVMe OF as a protocol, and I, I, I'm being a little pedantic saying the OF part because NVMe could be you've replaced your SAS or SATA disk with the NVMe attached disk in your laptop, your server, you know, anywhere where you have a disk. Uh, but NVMe OF is going to be, uh, is supported pretty robustly by your Linuxes, uh, the two major flavors being RHEL and SUSE, and then the various spinoff flavors of those, the CentOSes and Fedoras and so forth. Um, in addition, VMware. The one notable uh, standout, if you will, is Windows. Uh, what we've found is, is, is that while you can have, you support NVMe FC with Windows with an off-box, either uh, Broadcom or Marvell driver. In other words, the HBA uh, for, you know, the, the FC HBA that you have in the box. So you can do uh, 
NVMe support on Windows there. However, the problem is, is, is that we found that you're doing a protocol translation in the middle of the protocol stack where you're translating from NVMe to SCSI. And in the process of doing that, you're bleeding off the majority of the performance benefits that you would see from NVMe. So what we've actually found, and it is a, a, a kind of an odd thing or a paradoxical thing in a way, is as uh, I mentioned the NVAs earlier, uh, the ESX NVA that we did actually looked at uh, using load generated by Microsoft SQL Server 2016 sitting on Windows uh, Server 2019 in terms sitting on top of uh, ESX 7.0. Uh, the net of all of that is, 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 is that if you compare uh, the performance of that, so that virtualized SQL sitting on top of virtualized Windows, you actually have a very much more performance solution than you would have simply bare metal uh, Windows with SQL Server sitting on it. it. That seems odd because you would think that bare metal ought to generally outperform uh, uh, virtualized, you know, virtual machines. Uh, the virtualization tax is absolutely swamped by the increase in performance of the NVMe protocols. And so as a result, you're actually better off uh, virtualizing uh, SQL Server uh, if, you're, if you're trying to optimize for throughput and uh, reduced latency. So what about limitations? I mean, in this initial release, what are some of the things that we can't do with NVMe over TCP, if there's any? Um, and then also, you know, let's talk about what the network requirements might be for this. Okay, well, so I don't know that I'm necessarily going to categorize this as limitations, but something that I do like to point out is, is uh, I've been at NetApp for 15 plus years at this point. Uh, NVMe TCP will be my fourth protocol slash protocol transport uh, since I got here. Uh, iSCSI, FCOE, NVMe FC, and now NVMe TCP. What I found with all of those is this is that we will put our initial release out and it will be good and generally more performant than whatever it is that it was replacing by some amount but then you will see over the next several releases after that that, that performance ramps uh, to give an example with nvme fc uh, if you look at the release that came out with ontap 9.4 or 9.5 and compare that with say 9.8 or 9.9 you will see that we went from uh, increasing throughput from say 40% or so to uh, the latest being 250%. And so you can see that there's a lot of improvement that continues to happen over the next few releases as you tweak various pieces of the stack, as you learn more about it, as you do more performance and workload engineering testing on that. And so that, that is something that you will continue to see. Um, I expect that you will see a broadening of the number of OSs that explicitly support uh, NVMe OF protocols. Um, I would not be horribly surprised to see some sort of support with Windows, uh, perhaps with the next release, or perhaps through a third party uh, shim uh, for NVMe uh, TCP, much the same way that you have off-box drivers for NVMe FC. Um, additionally, something else I can think of is, is, is right now, uh, if you were to use uh, ASA, uh, ASA is a uh, symmetric active-active solution for uh, SCSI protocol, so FC or iSCSI. Currently, uh, the NVMe implementation on ASA is not. That is still asymmetric. So in other words, I've got active-optimized and active-non-optimized paths. In other words, the AO paths or active optimized paths, I'm going to use the active non-optimized paths I could use, but I'm not going to. 
um, in a future release of ONTAP, that will change where uh, NVMe uh, will also be uh, symmetric, just as uh, fiber channel and iSCSI. Uh, the difference there has a lot to do with uh, how NVMe handles remote I.O. relative to uh, the local I.O. All right. So it uh, sounds like NVMe over TCP has a lot of promise. Uh, Mike, if I wanted to find more information about this, where would I look? Uh, so there's a number of places to look. So uh, number one, there's going to be an insight session that I'm going to be delivering. Uh, BRK1179-2 on tap introduces NVMe TCP to optimize and democratize your SAN. Uh, there also is the NVMe uh, OF TR that I wrote, uh, TR4684. There are a number of blogs, uh, which I will send you links to so that you can put in the show notes, um, as well as a Blocks and Files article uh, where uh, that's titled NetApp Adding NVMe Over TCP to ONTAP iSCSI Upgrade Path. All right, excellent. Those would be uh, lots of good choices. And there's a number of blogs that uh, uh, Ricky Martin from uh, NetApp has uh, written. Uh, not the Levita Loca guy. No, no. He's, a, he's <laughs> our own Levita Loca guy, but yeah. Uh, yes. All right. So, uh, Mike, if we wanted to reach you, how do we do that again? Uh, you can reach me at mpeppers at netapp.com or alternatively, my Twitter handle is ntapfli guy. All right, excellent. All right, that music tells me it's time to go. If you'd like to get in touch with us, send us an email to podcast at netapp.com or send us a tweet at netapp. As always, if you'd like to subscribe, find us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or via techontappodcast.com. If you like the show today, leave us a review. On behalf of the entire Tech on Tap podcast team, I'd like to thank Mike Peppers for joining us today. As always, thanks for listening. Oh, yeah. Is it just me that's getting off on this? Oh, yeah.